Hey, folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You know the drill. We are back to promote the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been a longtime sponsor of Front Row Knowles, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, And you will appreciate the Champions Club if you have not been there. We've been saying this for a couple of years now, basically since it opened. You need to at least schedule a tour. The season's here. Go in, sample it, find out what you're missing. It is a great place to watch a ball game. Florida State uh, is scheduled for a 5 o'clock kick for their first home game, and I know there may even be some more. So if you want to stay out of the heat, you got that opportunity, as well as food and drink, the ability to get up and move around. It's a great place to watch a contest. It's also a great place to watch other contests because they got lots of TVs. And don't tell anybody I said that because really we want you sitting in the seats watching the FSU game. But uh, you can check on the other games too. For more information, you can call 850-644-1830 to buy tickets or schedule a tour. And now, on with the show. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom and KJ back again. Keith, how are you, sir? Not any better. What would you like to talk about today? I think we should talk about Florida State football. Do we have to? (laughs) (laughs) We covered a lot of ground last time I saw you, so where would you like to start this time around? Uh, Well, let's start with the linebacker play. We want to revisit that subject? Sure. I don't think that subject's going away anytime soon. But what are we doing to change it? I mean, what's the age-old thing? If you keep doing the thing over and over again, expecting different results, that is the ultimate definition of insanity. So personnel changes is where you would like to begin? At a minimum. Let's put some new kids in there. Let's try them out. I would submit to you they can't be worse. Let's back up just a little bit. You're going to be the... uh, even keeled I'm not going to be the devil's advocate. I, I want you to explain. So in a 4-3, we loved Lars Woodby, and, and Jackson performed at a higher level than this year. And now in the 3-4, all of a sudden they're shying away from contact, can't get off a block, are running around blocks, can't fill a gap. Is it that big a difference? There, There is a, a, a subtle but distinct difference in the 4-3 versus the 3-4 and the need for your two interior linebackers to take on blocks – of offensive linemen. And if they are shying away from that, then they are not suitable in playing in the 3-4. The 4-3, you protect your linebackers a little bit better, particularly the outside linebackers, and they don't have to take on as many blocks from offensive linemen. That is a true statement. But we've been doing this all spring, and we've been doing this all fall camp. So what's that, 15 practices plus 25 practices? That's 40 practices, and now two games and six more practices. We're just now discovering they can't do that? I was just going to say, so if that is the reason, it's time to fix it. Which leads us back to your original point of personnel changes. So you're saying get the youngsters in there. It can't be any worse. It's it's sort of where you are. And I am ignorant, as are many of our Florida State faithful and many of our listeners. I don't know who the backups are. I haven't studied the depth chart. But I'm just saying there's got to be some other bodies back there. Let's give them a shot. And let's see what they do. Who knows? You may have a very rough but rising star, a diamond in the rough, if you will, that just needs to have the spotlight on them and needs to be in a game to see what they do. Well, behind Dontavious Jackson, 
is Emmett Rice, who has played played some this year. He had the clothesline tackle the other day against Louisiana Monroe, injured uh, much of last year or previously in his career. Behind Lars Woodby is DeKalen Brooks, who's not sized right and, and maybe not the answer either. Jaleel McCray is the true freshman who people are excited about that played very well in spring and was off the radar, wasn't on the radar as much as people expected he would be in the fall based on what he did in the Correct. spring. And then you've also got the possibility of maybe moving a safety. Uh, obviously, Nazareth D is the most likely candidate. But the problem with that, acknowledged, is he's playing very well at the safety position. So now you move in the linebacker. He's in a new position, and you got to create or, or play, rather, someone else who hasn't seen as many reps as safety. But again, I go back to we're not getting it done the way it's being done. So you've got to change it, or you're just you're just – you're not very smart. So you're you're willing to jump in and not just dip your toe in the water. I'm, I'm willing to jump in early. If it doesn't work out, if the youngster gets that completely overwhelmed, if DeKalen can't handle we can always go back. We know that the other two can occasionally make plays. They've just not been consistent. So we'll fall back on that and do what we will. But you need and I think have to try something different and see if you can generate a spark. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And I don't know what the disconnect is because this is this has been going on for a while. I was thinking about it really since 2014 we've asked the question why are the why is the sum of the parts defensively been less than yeah the individual the, parts. the actual parts. And 2014 we explained it away as well these guys are all getting ready for the NFL. You know, they got their national title. 2015 the defense was decent, but 2016, we're writing promise notes. 2017, we're asking the same question last year, this year. I mean, this this predates Willie in terms of saying these are the number – stars. Sorry, I'm mentioning stars. But this is the talent level we think we have on the defense, and the end result doesn't compute. And, and you and I were talking before we came on the air. We look at someone like a Charles Kelly, and we say, gosh, his tenure at Florida State was horrible. How bad a coach is he? And all he is is the co-defensive coordinator of Alabama, and they seem to be doing pretty well. Uh, you know, Pruitt, not a lot of people liked, and 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 but he well, was, they loved his results. Loved he his was results. just an, he was a odd. It, it was different, character. yeah. And he worked his way, and obviously he's got issues now as the head coach of Tennessee, which is you know everybody's throwing Tennessee and Florida State into that same thing. And, and but he is the head coach there, so he was doing enough right things. Uh, you know, Mark Stoops, most people liked. He was here for a very short period of time, had some great people around him. He's done well at Kentucky. You look at Harlan Barnett, you go back, and he was he was a co-coordinator with Dantina, uh, D'Antonio or whatever that guy's name is. At Michigan State, right. He actually, people forgot, he coached for Saban on the same staff that Jimbo was on at LSU. So he he hasn't forgotten how to coach. Maybe he's not doing some things like he used to, but I think you've come up with the best word is what is the disconnect? Somehow what these coaches know and their ability in prior positions and unfortunately in future positions, if things go the way most fans want, they'll able to rise and and show why can't they do it here? What is the disconnect? I think that's an unbelievable question. And I don't have the answer, and I'm not suggesting that the coaches aren't culpable to some degree because a message is not it's not resonating it's i'm sure it's being communicated but it's not translating on the field but how much of that is on the coaches how much of that is on the players and and i don't know 
that but but it's been it's been here for a number of years are they too nice are they not strict enough uh do they say please and thank you instead of shut up and do it you know i don't know we're not there we're not allowed to be at practice we don't know what that looks like and and certainly kids from 20 years ago to 40 years ago you do have to coach a little differently but you know as the pendulum swung too far in one direction or the other and does it need to get back to center i mean those are questions i'm sure they're asking of themselves i'm sure they're questions that willie is asking uh, particularly of his defensive staff uh, i'm sure they're not just going blindly through the motions but I think the best word that you've come up with and the one that we don't have the, the true answer for is, God, what is the disconnect? Because there is certainly one, if it's proper to say there is one in place or not in place, however you're supposed to say it. I do think we are in an era with with the system Florida State's running now that we all have, we do have, first of all, college football in general, and then specifically if you're playing defense when the offense is a tempo offense, we do have to recalibrate our mind to the fact that there's going to be scoring drives. If you watch the Big 12, the games are 50 to 40 for a reason, and I haven't pulled out the numbers, but I'm sure the scoring is is greater in the second half than the first half after after the defense is worn down. So we do have to allow for that to some degree. But that doesn't explain guys running around blocks, guys missing gaps, confusion and 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 question about what seems to be relatively simple i mean we make it seem very difficult at times and and to our knowledge things have been you know um, i hate the the word dumbed down but even coach uh, barnett said from week one to week two we're going to simplify so we're going to make it easier you know you know read and react not read think and react because if you're thinking you lose. It's read and react, read and react, read and react, and and we're just not doing that well. Would you like to talk offense and special teams? Well, they're improved. The thing about the offense is you've seen that they can do it, and you've even seen they can do it with some consistency, i.e. the first quarter and part of the second. So they've been able to put together drive after drive after drive. What they score? Uh, first game was five of the first six possessions. So we've seen that it can be done. Now, what happens at or around halftime, and why are they unable to do what they need to do in the second half? That is another question, but that's a different question than the question we're asking of the defense. That We've one, seen, to me, has uh, it's easier to find an answer, whether it's correct or not, I don't know. And it would be that it appears Kendall and the offense have pretty good game plans. They go in and have success. The other team adjusts. And then Florida State is left dealing with its offensive line deficiencies and trying to make some things work, and eventually they get it going and get a little bit, a little bit and done. There, there are coaches. Jimbo was one of them. This is one of the things you can say about Jimbo. There was probably nobody that was better at in-game and halftime adjustments than he was. That may not be Kendall Brow's strength. That may he's still young. That may be something he learns in his play calling. It may not be Harlan's Barnett's strength. I, I don't know. You'd have to go back and ask the people that were, you know, knowledgeable of what he did at Michigan State and other stops. But there seems to be less of an ability to see what's going on, get the kids on the sideline, communicate something to them, and have them do something different the next series or in and out of halftime. Well, that's that's fair. I do think that. To me, it's easier to look at the offense and say 
there's some deficiencies there. Everybody's going to acknowledge the offensive line talent is not where you need it to be. When you look at the defense, though, yeah, the pass rushers, I mean, if you had defensive ends, if you had Renard and Bolware, you would have stayed in a 4-3. So that's a deficiency. But beyond that, it goes back to the parts question. You just look at it and say there's good enough parts there to get a better result. And 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 I'll be I'll concede. We've been told that, for example, Kendo has a hamstring problem. So much like Cam Akers last year through the first eight or nine games, he was playing on a bad wheel. wasn't a hundred percent. All right, Kendo's not a hundred percent. But but what about Djack? What about what about others? Others. Yeah. I mean, can't we roll some people in? Can't we get something done? Can't we change it up and 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 try a few other wrinkles if the ones that we have are not able to perform well because of of Nick's and, and I get that. I mean, I I know there's it's a there's a a special player that knows how to play hurt because you have to play hurt. You don't play injured. But you have to play hurt, and some kids don't play hurt well. Okay, fine. Let's let's roll somebody else in there, and let's do something else different. But the bottom line is what is being done is not working. So if you continue to do it that way, you're basically saying you're, you don't have any answers. You have no alternatives. Punting game is strong. We're too deep. Even with the backup. We're too deep. Even with the backup. Kickoffs were fine, too. All right. Our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, will join us next segment. Uh, Then we'll have a guest uh, that's an expert on the Cavaliers coming up as well, and an expert on the ACC. That's David Teal. So good show ahead, as always. I do want to remind you that uh, Madison Social takes care of all your needs. I don't have the dates in front of me, but they've got a seltzer crawl coming up, an Oktoberfest, dueling pianos. Just find them on social media at Madison Social or at For the Table. And you can fill in some blanks. All right, we'll step aside. We're just getting started. He's Keith, I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ, and we will open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, and say hello to our Osceola insider. And we welcome the return of Bob Ferrante. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. I'm not good. I'm okay. You've had nothing interesting to to write about on the Osceola.com these days. Everything's just going right according to script. Isn't that right, Bob? been quiet everything's on cruise control you know two and oh start life is good everybody's happy <laughs> what world are you living in sir fantasy land yes where would you like to start in regard to uh football keith and i have already started you didn't uh, hear that but uh we'll we'll but i won't even i won't even tip the hand there of where we went <laughs> you may you may be where, where keith is keith is in a good spot right now yeah 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 keith's in a that's one way to describe it just dandy Let's start with the offense since we started with the defense last segment. Yeah. General impression, two games in. I know in the S&P they're currently ranked ninth. They're scoring more points. The competition hasn't been the greatest. But I think most agree that Kendall Bryles and Randy Clements and Ron Dugans have made a difference and that 
We're getting more productivity. The offensive line's a little bit better. Certainly Cam Akers is healthy. All things considered, this is positive. Yeah, at its best, when the offense looks good, it's fun. Everybody's happy and cheering, and, and it looks, you know, like like the four-state offense that I think all the fans have been missing for the last, what, three, four years where, you know, they wanted to see a lot of points. They wanted to see excitement, long runs, long pass plays, maybe not as many, you know, chunk plays uh, against ULM as, as we saw against Boise. But, um, you know, in, encouraging, I guess the only real – significant encouraging sign was was the running game on on saturday you know uh cam being willing and able to take 36 carries for 193 yards that you know speaks volumes i think about him and i I think he does credit the offensive line for a lot of that but um quite frankly i think a lot of those yards were after contact too he was he was making a lot of things happen you know breaking arm tackles and such keith and i were questioning the play of James Blackman after the game on Saturday. And I know that Kendall Bryles on Tuesday and Willie Taggart on Monday came out and said that he graded higher this week than he did the first week. I didn't go back and review the tape per se. To me, it just felt like he was locked on to his receivers, staring them down, and there weren't many easy throws in there. But the coaches are the coaches, and they know what they're looking for and what he's supposed to do. So what have you seen from James Blackman through two games? What's your assessment? Kind of like you guys, I think some positives and definitely some areas for improvement. Um, I think 30 of 40 for almost 300 yards, you know, statistically on paper, that that looks really good, right? But, you know, the turnovers, um, especially the miscommunication with uh, Tamari and Terry on the pick six, I think that's what's going to stand out, you know, of of any play that I think he made on Terry. We're going to remember that kind of play. And, And kind of the knock on James has been, you know, a guy who's always been under fire, you know, really never had time to set his feet with the offensive line. It's been kind of tough for him, but he, he always pops right up and he tries to uh, to make something positive happen. Um, but, yeah, turnovers has been his thing for, what are we now, um, 12 starts in 17, 1, 18, now 14 total. So we, we, we kind of have a, a little bit of a book on him, even though the book was largely written as a true and my my he knows, issue, you know, he has to clean that up. My issue, Bob. The, my issue, Bob, is that. is that I think we get clouded in our evaluation because we like James so much, and because James is so popular amongst his teammates, and because he is uh, a guy that you would want to rally around. But the bottom line is, for whatever reason, and we've come up with the new buzzword of the day: there's a disconnect in the second half, and and my. My point, my position is simply, let's go to, to, to Hornibrook. Let's go to Travis. Let's put another quarterback in for a series or two, and, and let's just see if it generates a spark during what is now known as a time when the offense isn't performing well. We saw it happen with Charlie. We saw it happen when, when uh, Mark Rick benched Brad Johnson and went with Casey Weldon. I mean, we go all the way back to Jimmy and Wally playing at, at different times and getting started for different reasons. Why why don't we allow the number two and or the number three to get some snaps and just see what happens? You know, it's, it's funny you, you bring that up. Uh, you know, Patrick Burnham and I were talking about that in the preseason. Probably should have written it down because I think a lot of Florida State fans, you know, fondly remember the Kentucky Derby off. And, um, a, a second quarter type of offense where 
there's a number two quarterback still leading the first team offense. Is I, I best remember that. And I think what does it do? It, it gives maybe your number one quarterback a chance to survey the field and see what the defense is doing. It gives the number two quarterback some really valuable reps in the early part of the game. Kind of throws the defense a change up um, where you just don't know what this new quarterback to bring and then throw at you uh, quite literally. So yeah, I, I think this is where a guy like Alex or Jordan, if the coaches are truly confident in them, um, yeah, why not? You know, this this is kind of a um, a good opportunity to put the defense on its heels, give some guys experience. I, I wouldn't see it, and anybody would see it as a negative toward James, but it's just kind of throwing another wrinkle out there. They haven't given given any indication that's what they're going to do. Nor should they tip their hand though if they want to if they want to. Yeah, play I would that keep it quiet week. even if I was going to do it. Exactly. One more offensive question. It sounds like uh, is it safe to assume we're not going to see Jawan Williams this week, or too early to tell? Well, Monday after Coach Taggart's press conference, I was leaving Moore Athletic Center, and he was in a walking boot on his uh, on his left foot. And you know those can be precautionary these days. Really, you know, tip too much of a hand of what's going on. But he was not in practice on Tuesday. So he's definitely a question mark. And I think that's a big story. You know, there, there is a pretty significant drop off between Juwan Williams, Abdul Bello, left tackle is, you know, arguably one of the most important positions on the football, let alone on the offensive line. So when you have a defensive front like Virginia, they love to put pressure on the quarterback. They've had, I think, 11 sacks in two games. So that's a real big storyline is, you know, can Bello hold up? I, I haven't seen a whole lot from Bellow that would suggest he can test rush. He, he's still kind of a project late in his career that, that may or may not ever develop, but they're going to have to do some creative things, and maybe it's not any more creative than to protect. And they move tight end Trey McKitty, um, you know, kind of that H-back tight end and Gabe Neighbors over there, you know, have to make sure that running back is, is about either on the right side or if there's a blitz, you know, uh, over the center. They've, they've got to really – Think about protection if they don't have Williams. Otherwise, I think Virginia is going to eat them up. Well, now that we've had that uplifting conversation about the offense, let's, who has who let's, has the tums? Let's talk defense, who shall we? The Bob? tums. Defense is where there are many more questions than what we just dissected on the offensive side of the ball. So, where would you start, sir? You know, we, we've had again. Patrick and I like to talk about scheme and you know is it better four three is it better three four i'm not sure we're seeing the quality of backer play regardless of the scheme and i think that's what's most concerning right now um getting pressure on the quarterback from the outside linebacker position on inside linebacker we're seeing boise and ulm really just just get four and five and six yards at a time and a chain's creating methodical drives that kind of wears out the defense. I think that's that's really the biggest concern is if you can't stop the run, I question how good of a football team you are. And the big question, this is why the coaches make the big bucks, are, you know, can you fix some of these things through scheme, through coaching? Um, you know, Tiger talked a lot about this could be alignment. This could be as simple as, um, you know, putting them in a better position to make plays. I'm not – Again, 100% sure that's going to happen. But they've really got to figure out how to stop the run, and I, I think that will will help considerably. Um, and, and look, I even talked to a couple of guys about this today. A couple of the writers and I were, were talking about it. 
Florida State does not historically stop mobile quarterbacks or contain mobile quarterbacks. They get a lot of yards through running or passing or you know, moving around in the pocket to then create uh, opportunities to throw. So this is going to be a long day when you've got a guy like Bryce Perkins, a quarterback from Virginia. I think they've got to come in with, uh, with an exceptional game plan, kind of accept that he's going to get his, and you know, in the end, probably outscore Virginia, so to speak. They have to put up quite the number on the scoreboard to uh, try and get a win. Part of the mobile quarterback issue is related to man versus zone. KJ didn't say it. I mean, historically, because, uh, you know, if you're playing man coverage, you're run out, your back's there, you don't see a guy come around the corner. So that's Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson are two guys that come to mind. Uh, I guess I hadn't processed they, they it had, historically. They had, they had some success. Yeah, but it is going to be an issue. Florida State hasn't had to deal with that yet this year, so that will be a problem. Well, you thought you were going to in the boys' a game, but uh, you know it ended up he was going to throw for four thousand yards, so he didn't have to run. Um, do you do you expect personnel changes, Bob? I think the big one we're looking for is is you know is Dontavious Jackson going to start? And obviously, his personal foul late in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, with boys, I'm sorry, with ULM starting to drive that hurt them and that extended the chains. I think it was on a third down play. And, you know, we saw Don Tavis come back later in that drive when, when ULM was in the red zone. Taggart was asked about it on Monday and, you know, his answer was that they punish players who, you know, they commit those kind of careless um, personal fouls that it not only hurts them, it hurts the team and, you know, potentially at the loss if, uh, if things don't break their way with the, uh, the missed extra point. I was surprised to see Dontavious come back on the field. And I think you have to send a strong message there that that's not going to be tolerated. He's a senior. You cannot do that. What What is the punishment, Bob? And I know you don't know because you're not out there, but we yeah. don't know. Is well, it, hey, back, is it gassers? Day, is it stadiums? What, what were you doing? It was 6 o'clock in the morning in Dope Campbell Stadium. There's 84 steps in that, that gum place. Keith, exactly. Keith's blood pressure is going up again. Is well, it is it possible – that though they knew he drew the flag at the time, it wasn't until they watched the tape that they saw what he did because they're not necessarily seeing the replays as you two were in the booth. I'm just saying, is it plausible? I saw it happen live from where I was standing. Right. And, and somebody who's sarcastic would say, well, the defensive coordinator was up in the box and he should have seen that. Right. And and I think I think as coaches, you have to have guys all over the field watching things when you see something like that. It has to be addressed with immediately. And, and the biggest problem I have is that is a senior. If there's a freshman doing that, I'll give him a little bit of slack. He'll still be meeting me at 6 o'clock in the morning in Dope Campbell. But that's a senior. There is no excuse for that. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that. So let me ask you, Bob, one of the things that generated the most conversation this week is the uh, Help Wanted ad that went up for a quality control coach. So – can you enlighten us any further? Did you apply? Should we apply? Where are we on that? How much does it pay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it's um, I hope it's more than minimum wage and attracts the uh, the right opportunities for coaches looking around. I, you know, we we did a little bit of checking into it, and it sounds like this is the uh, the position that might be allocated for George Henshaw, who's a former Florida State assistant coach from you know the late seventies, early eighties. Obviously has a wealth of NFL experience through the decades, and, and he's been retired for a little while. But I still think, um, you know, the value that George can bring to the offensive line room, to the offensive coordinator, uh, use him in game planning, maybe in 
reviewing recruiting film, that's a guy that you want to have around. Now, could there be another job out there down the road? That's possible, sure. But what Taggart said was this is a re-advertisement. We have every reason to believe that George Henshaw has been out there on the practice field just about every open media opportunity, I think for about a month, maybe more. He was out there on Tuesday. He's been out there on prior Tuesdays when we have access, often during uh, summer camp. So I, I think George is a guy who's very interested in helping out, and I think they want his help. Let's wrap up on uh, the ACC network. And uh, Keith and I actually watched this together. When we it did. We had, a, we had a little bro date. We did. We did. Did we just admit that? <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, Talk, I did. Talking about the Bowden dynasty, which is on the ACC network tomorrow night. A lot of people still haven't seen that. So uh, Florida State's finally going to get some attention on the ACC network, Bob. <laughs> oh, we like to talk about the videos and how they're missing Florida State logos or imagery, but this one is really, really cool. Um, I could spend probably an hour talking about this documentary. It's, if you haven't seen it, it's a fun watch. If you have, you'll want to see it again. Um, John Corey is an FSU graduate and a Hollywood filmmaker. He's done some great work through the years, but this was a passion project of his. And He went to Jerry Cutts one day at lunch, and, and Jerry said, well, I'll call up Coach Bowden for you. And, you know, they drove over to Coach Bowden's house and, you know, within a couple of months, you're, you're filming a, uh, a documentary. And I think this is what, what Coach Bowden always wanted, you know, beyond so many wonderful books that have been written about him was something visual, something memorable. You can hear voices. This story really comes across, I think, very well on TV or on the, you know, the big screen, which it did a couple of years back. But the story about faith, family, and football, it's about Coach Bowden's story, you know, dealing with rheumatic fever as a young child in Birmingham and you know, it's it's uh, you get goosebumps when you see him back at that old house in Birmingham, and you know, back in that bedroom. It's uh, it's really a cool watch, and and I know a lot of people are probably frustrated if you're in Tallahassee, you're on Comcast or CenturyLink, and maybe you're thinking, I can't watch it. But you have to find a friend, and, you know, find a watch party for this show, figure out a way to go out and watch it and enjoy it because this is going to be really two fun hours. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. And, and uh, side note, Jerry did a podcast with John Corey about this, which is available to Osceola subscribers. Is that right? And actually, we we just opened it up to everybody. We want everybody to kind of hear it and listen to Coach Bowden and John. So it's it's a free listen. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good listen to kind of get you warmed up and, and ready for the, uh, the dynasty. Good deal. Our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrani. Bob, thanks as always. Take care, guys. See you, Bob. You can find his work online at theosceola.com. Try it out for seven days for free. Subscribe for six ninety five a month or seventy four ninety five annually. The Osceola doing terrific work as always. So this will either be a positive or a negative, depending. Uh, I, I have the good fortune to to be a longtime friend of George Henshaw's. Our relationship goes. He he was on staff all four years when I was at Florida State in the seventies. He played for Coach Bowden. And then he went to coach, coach for Coach Bowden. When he left uh, the college ranks, he went into the NFL ranks, was with San Diego, or excuse me, uh, New Orleans for a long time, San Diego a little bit, I believe. Bob mentioned a decade. I think, I think George might have closer to two decades of NFL experience. Uh, his son Matt was a tight end at Florida State, for those that uh, remember Matt Henshaw. Uh, he is Florida State uh, product. And if he is the guy, uh, he is a good one. 
a good one. Now, he's up there in age like all of us. He may not be able to bark and move around on the practice field, but in terms of looking at tape and reading and understanding and digesting things, he's about as good as you can get. Trying to look at this quickly, 88 to 92 with the Broncos, 93 to 96 with the Giants, 97, 98 with the Oilers, 99 to 05 with the Titans, 06, 07 with the Saints, back to the Titans for a year. So there's a lot of NFL in there. I said San Diego and he wasn't even there. So it shows you how closely I followed his NFL. Well, this is according to the internet. I mean, who knows? (laughs) It's kind of like this show. We got more. Who knows? (laughs) Exactly. We got more right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. We reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, and we welcome in a, uh, a friend of the program. He joins us uh, maybe once a year or so. We try not to wear him out too much because I know he gets lots of requests. David Teal, uh, who is with the Daily Press, Virginian Pilot, and really the dean of ACC Writers. How are you, David? I'm doing great, guys. Hope you and your listeners are doing the same. Well, we're doing okay. We, we have to travel to Charlottesville for a football game, David. <laughs> I was looking at I was looking at your bio, David. So twenty eight Final Fours you've covered in countless bowl games, but only one ACC network, right? I mean, I am correct in that. <laughs> that, that. That is correct, the one and only. <laughs> so what what would you say right now? I mean, uh, you know, everything you when when people speak publicly, the rhetoric is all that everything's going according to plan. You know, we're where we thought we should be. That all that said, it feels like they're in a pretty good place. I know they want Comcast, but uh, I, I don't know what the exact distribution number is. But it's it's got to be north of forty million right now, waiting on the the domino that is Comcast to fall. It it, it really is, and guys, I, I know this is small consolation to the folks down there who are Comcast customers, but the ACC network is ahead of where most folks thought it would be. And that's folks in the industry, and that's folks inside the league office, that's folks at Bristol, and that's the athletic directors on campus. When ESPN presented distribution projections, they did not anticipate having pretty much everyone locked in except Comcast at this point. And I think that's a win for the league and ESPN. Literally a multi-million dollar question here, David. Do we have any idea what kind of rate per subscriber they're getting? And really, and, and I wouldn't expect you to know that, but the bigger question, I guess, is, is ESPN and the ACC holding firm with a comparable number to, to say, the SEC network? Or are they having to drop that figure to get the distribution that they've gotten? I think that's something that they will never tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they... Believe me, you know, everyone asks and tries to figure it out. And I think eventually the the only way we're going to know just how successful financially this is is when we get a look at future tax returns and per school distributions. And even then we won't know the exact impact of the network, but we'll have a pretty good idea. 
David, what do you think the network uh, nets to the actual programs, the, the football, the men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball? What do you think the real effect is going to be, not revenue-wise, but just exposure and, 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 and what the ACC is valued as? Yeah, I, I, I think you use the exact right word, exposure, especially for Olympic sports. This is going to be un- unprecedented for them. I mean, ACC basketball is already in millions of homes na- nationwide and uh, will continue to be, and the, the same with the league's football. But when you talk about, you know, FSU women's soccer, and you know, the, the, the reigning national champions, and uh, Virginia men's lacrosse, and a, another reigning uh, national champion, and North Carolina women's soccer, one of the most storied programs in the country, Carolina field hockey, which I believe is the reigning national champion. So those types of programs. FSU softball, which won a national championship a couple years ago. That's just, they've never enjoyed this kind of exposure that they're going to get on the network, and I think that can only help them in recruiting. All right, we've prolonged the inevitable. (laughs) (laughs) How bad is it going to be in Charlottesville on Saturday night? (laughs) Guys, I think this game is, is tricky for Virginia and and. Maybe this is just an example of old habits die hard. And I know that people down your way are not happy with how the first two weeks of the season have transpired. And I wouldn't be either if I were in y'all's shoes. But unless I'm in, please feel free to correct me. This is not a roster, meaning Florida State bereft of talent. I mean, there are some players out there. Now, are they doing the right things? Are they being coached the right way? Maybe those are open-ended questions. But, you know, I I think this is Virginia's most challenging game today. I think this is a more difficult game than at Pittsburgh. I think Florida State's better than Pitt. I think it's got better players. Especially on the offense. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 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 Saturday night will be lopsided and we'll all walk away going, Wow, Virginia might be pretty good and boy is Florida State bad. No, David, go back to the other part. We'll close our eyes and start humming. <laughs> Come back to the other part. <laughs> I think no, I think you're right, and that is at the heart of the question. If it was is the cupboard bare, that's a different discussion on how do you how do you get recruiting back to where it is. I think that's part of the frustration is the parts are better than the product right now, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's why people are upset. Let me ask you this. Even, even separate the current state of affairs, the way the crossover opponents match up in the ACC, the FSU, I mean, these teams only play each other every six years to begin with and every 12 years in Charlottesville. I know it's not calendared out that far. So in and of itself, is this a big game for Virginia fans? I mean, when this was announced, you know, even a couple years ago when you knew FSU was coming, is it a big deal to have Florida State back in Charlottesville? Absolutely. No no question. And, you know, folks in Charlottesville very fondly remember in 1995 and 2005 when they won in in Charlottesville uh, against Florida State. And, yeah, that's that's a name brand. That's an iconic program. 
And to have them coming in, and Virginia's ranked. Guys, Virginia hasn't won a home game as a ranked team since 2005. That's a long time. That is a long time. So I, I took my shoes and, off. That's 14 years. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the place, they only drew 45 and change for William & Mary, the home opener, the other night. But the student section was really packed out. They were really loud. Friday night, they're doing a banner ceremony and ring ceremony for the men's basketball national champion. They're making this a big weekend in Charlotte. I, I think the crowd is going to be, I think there might be a true home field advantage for one of the few times in the last five, ten years in Charlottesville on Saturday night. Uh, are they bringing those basketball champions onto the field between the first and second quarter Saturday night too? Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm claiming credit for that because about 24 hours after Virginia won the title, I tweeted that you can be guaranteed that the Cavaliers <laughs> will be honored when FSU is playing there. Tell, give us a thumbnail sketch on this team. Uh, you know, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, we're not necessarily overly familiar with. Uh, I think we we maybe stereotype that Virginia teams when they're good, they're fundamentally sound. Even you know we think tough, of the, always tough. Think of the George Welsh teams and that sort of thing. I know you've got a mobile quarterback, but give us a thumbnail sketch of this team. Well, I, as as dynamic as Bryce Perkins is at, at quarterback, I think this team's wheelhouse is defense, and that is not surprising because that is Bronco Mendenhall's specialty. He grew up as a defensive coach. He was a linebacker as a player at Utah State. And you talk to his peers, and they will tell you to a man that he can flat out X and O, especially on the defensive side. And I think he's really got – the Cavaliers guys are good at all three levels. And they've got excellent linemen. Eli Handback's a senior who started – 37-38 consecutive games. Jawan Briggs is a true freshman, one of the few five-star recruits that Bronco Mendenhall has landed at Virginia. Then at linebacker, you've got Jordan Mack, Charles Snowden, veteran guys. And then on the back end, you've got arguably the best cornerback in the ACC, if not the entire country, in Bryce Hall. I mean, they are really good. They've been really stingy against the run. That's why I'm fascinated to see Cam Akers on Saturday night, you know, for for all of Florida State's struggles, you know, that cat went for a buck ninety three the other night. And also took a screen pass to the house. He can go now. Yeah, Cam Akers is the real deal, no question about that. Well, we look forward to getting back to Charlottesville. I, I'm going to wrap up with with two other questions. These are more broad ACC. But it, am I hearing that the the basketball schedules are coming out later this week? Maybe on the ACC network. Thursday night, 9 o'clock, ACC Network. Okay. And then I, I know you've had a good relationship with the commissioner for a number of years. How much longer does John Swafford have? You know, is, is this his baby getting, you know, he's birthed the ACC Network now. So, I mean, is it time to ride off into the sunset or is he still going to go strong for a while? You know, that was kind of the conventional wisdom a couple years back that the network would launch in 2019. And then very soon thereafter, he would sign off. 
I don't think that's the case. I think he really likes what he's doing. I think perhaps most important, the ACC presidents like what he's doing. And I think multiple more years. That's that's my sense. Now, he could prove me wrong and announce next week that this is his last year, but I, I don't see that being in the cards. Interesting. Well, David, we'll catch up on uh, Saturday night. It'll be a good night in Charlottesville. Hopefully it'll be a good night. It'll be a good night for one of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 hey, I root for fun, entertaining games. I mean, it, if, if, if we're all going to be there, let's let's have a show, right? I mean, come on. I'm with well, you. Well, it's been 98, 99 degrees during games down here the last two weeks. What do we look for temperature-wise and weather-wise at 730 on Saturday in Charlottesville? Nothing remotely close to that, guys. Well, we got that going for us. Yes, that's the best yes, news I've heard this that's week. One, that's one thing I can promise you. David Teal, we appreciate uh, your insight and expertise as always, and we'll see you on Saturday in Charlottesville. Tom and KJ, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Dave. All right, good insight there, and uh, I don't think I feel any better. Do you? I, well, I had studied Price, the quarterback. I was aware of his mobility. I knew he was a dual threat. I hadn't gotten to the point of even looking at their defense, and and now I I I, I want I want my mommy. Do you have to, my Teddy? Where is my Teddy? <laughs> we'll take a break. See what we can find for KJ, and then finish up the show right after this. The last three days, the rain was unstoppable. Was always cold, no sunshine. I ran down the never would come to me. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Keith, welcome back. I have good news for you. I'm listening. I have checked my email. And? Credentials are now being accepted for 2019 ACC Operation Basketball. <laughs> it's almost basketball. It's around the corner. It's three seven-footers I'm hearing. Leonard's got a he's got a team that would know. Three seven-footers? going to be a lot of new parts and pieces for fans to adjust to when we get there, but they're going to be good parts and pieces. I think well, I think we're continuing long, on as that. As long as my boy from Chipley is still around, I'll be happy. I think there'll be good things there. We've got a lot of football between now and basketball season, however. And you you mentioned the obvious there, David Teal did. Very good defensively. That's Brock and Bronco Mendenhall's uh, calling, so to speak, to go with that quarterback. It's a tough putt for FSU. Now, the spread is seven or eight points, and FSU does have an awful lot of good athletes, but they've got to get them to figure out which direction they're going to make this work. Uh, no pun intended, uh, Mr. Bikitti. Anyway, um, I, I'm not overly optimistic. I will be the first. Our fans know this. Our listeners know this. My family know this. You know this. You know, I love Florida State, but I also try very hard to be a good homer. In other words, to not be unrealistic. This is not a game right now on paper I think Florida State can win. I will willingly and happily come on the show and tell everybody I was wrong. I would love to be wrong, but it's not shaping up well unless and until many of the things we talked about transpire. I think you're right. On I would agree with that assessment on paper. It, it seems to be, I mean, frankly, a fundamentally sound team. 
against a team that's not playing fundamentally sound football right now. And a team in, in Virginia that plays the full 60 minutes. They play the full 60 minutes hard. They focus on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, they're very good at getting after the quarterback. FSU has given up some sacks. Uh, they control the clock. We've seen what happens there. And, of course, we're all getting used to the Browse tempo offense, which very rarely, if ever, is going to mean that you lead in time of possession. But it probably is a game where Florida State has to outscore them, and that might be the case in many other games moving forward in 2019. In general, with this style of offense, that might be the case. Possibly as well. Possibly as well. Now, a word from our sponsors, KJ. <laughs> Cornerstone Tuna Fa- Tool and Fastener is your location for all your tool needs. It's where all the pros and do-it-yourself workers shop. Big box pricing with local service. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Then the Tallahassee location is open Saturdays from 8 to noon. So go in there this Saturday, 8 to noon. Get your do-it-yourself things done. Get back to the house. Tune into the ACC Network. Pick up FSU Virginia at 7.30. FSU Virginia, David Teal mentioned it, 1995. I was there for that first ever ACC loss for FSU. And this goes to the – He was still in. The bigger conversation about you can't get to a point where you just accept defeat. It has to make you angry. You have to do something with that. I don't recall being in the locker rooms for wide right one and wide right two, but I know – I've been in most of them since FSU joined the ACC. And the quietest, most distraught locker room I've ever seen, well, and distraught's maybe not appropriate because it was just quiet, was in Charlottesville at the end of that game. Nobody said a word. I mean, it was a library. That was the first ACC get loss that FSU had experienced since joining the league. Many, myself included, believed that Warwick was in. Uh, they flew back. One of the greatest stories out of that game is the next morning. It was a night game. And the very next school morning at 730, Warwick Dunn was in a lab doing math or doing science, whatever he was doing. And the resolve of that team became very, very evident. There, There's one thing about going into a locker room and being upset and shouting and pointing fingers and blaming everyone. There's another thing about going in a locker room and being encouraging but when you go in a locker room and it is dead silent, there's nobody saying nothing, that is an uncanny feeling and 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 one that you really don't want if you're ever the opponent of that team to ever have to experience again. Yeah, well, I still – I mean, I remember that game for obvious reasons. It was a great football game. Maybe great if you're a Virginia fan. Maybe good if and you were entertained. FSU, you know, FSU fans obviously didn't like the result, but I, I do remember it was jarring how quiet it was at that locker room. All right, so we'll see. Maybe Florida State. You know, one thing FSU's gotten out to good starts here. Maybe they can do that again. Find some stops. It's a contrast in style, certainly. I do think it'll be electric. Not surprised at all that the basketball team will be there. I knew that was going to happen. Whatever you can do to get the crowd just a little bit more excited for Saturday night, that's what they're going to do. They have a horse. They do. Just like we do. Well, not just like we do, but they do have a horse. Well, he's light-colored. He's white. All right. Uh, We'll do this again with uh, our First Look show, which will come your way Sunday morning at 8. That airs again Monday at 6. We'll do this show next Wednesday. I think we're done. I hope we have some good things to talk about. Don't forget the Bowden Dynasty tomorrow night on ACC Network and then the release of the basketball schedule on Thursday and then the Knowles on the ACC Network. You better go ahead and cut the cord with Comcast is pretty much what I'm saying. Get what you need. All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.